Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. My secretary booped me at work today. You know, I booped Larry all the way across town. Connect with your staff in an instant. All you have to do is boop. Push to talk is back from Peak PTT. Hey guys, I'm in the bathroom and I just booped. It gets you to the right person in real time because nobody ignores a boop. Instant two-way communication across town or across the country. I can boop driving. Department of Transportation says so. What are you booping waiting for? Ready to boop right out of the box. Booptotalk.com. Stephen, I, well, my wife and I raised four little kids, right? And during that time when they were all, geez, I think all four of my daughters were under the age of six or seven at one point, right? It's a lot of little kids and there's a lot of toys just everywhere. And the worst of them are Legos in the middle of the night when you don't have shoes and socks on and you're walking around in the dark. Nothing hurts more than stepping on those little puppies. I am so glad that I don't have any of them in my house anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about Lego. And Lego is really quite a remarkable story. And they are one of the largest toy companies in the world. They're Uh, everywhere, right? They're just ubiquitous. Yeah, there's been over 600 billion Lego parts stepped on. (laughs) (laughs) like 600 billion parts made like that's just a crazy crazy number and this this company was started back in denmark in 1932 by ole kirk christensen and he was actually a carpenter they didn't start with making lego they started doing carpentry and he was first of all a home builder for local farmers and the carpentry business grew until the great depression happened and basically people weren't looking for homes any longer yeah but he was a wood maker and he said okay well what i'm going to do is i'm going to start making small furniture so in early 1930 he started making small furniture and then 1932 which is basically the start of lego he switched to making small wooden toys okay so he turned into a toy maker in in the height of the depression yeah and he was making these little wooden toys and in 1934 he switched 100 percent to toys and the company became Lego, which is from the word legut, which is play well. Okay. So so Lego is a play on those two words and it's play well. And here's the big reason why you got into wooden toys is up until that point, most of the toys came from Germany. Okay. And this is, he's, yeah. uh, he's Dutch, right? Right. Dutch, 1934. Up to that point, most of the toys came from Germany. Uh-huh. Then Germany invaded and guess what happened? German toys became a little less popular. Right. And also German toys were made from metal and there was a metal shortage due to the war effort. So there was this room for wood local toys to happen. And the first one was a little wooden duck. So we'll have a picture of that on the website. So you can see kind of the first Lego toy, this little wooden duck. And by the end of the war, business had boomed. And by the 1940s, he was actually finding it hard to find wood. And then they actually had a problem where their factory burned down. So they had to suddenly do something different. And he kind of discovered plastic. You know, plastic was coming on the scene at that time. And they started making little plastic bricks. You know how so many of these businesses start with these really wonderful names? Mm -hmm. They called it automatic binding bricks. Oh, well, that just rolls off the tongue. 
right? Automatic binding bricks. Automatic kind of reminds me of the Plato episode, right? In terms of the <laughs> great name that they had that I still can't remember. It was so good. <laughs> but they had they weren't the only one doing this. They also had a big competitor in the UK called Kittycraft. But what Kittycraft was doing was making the bricks and they were very dull in color. Lego started looking around and there was, as we know, some really famous Dutch painters that were doing these really bright colors. And that inspired them to make, you know, the bricks in these colorful squares. So they got this real inspiration on the on the color. Uh-huh. His son Godfrey one day was on a ferry with a buyer. So they were, you know, traveling around and the buyer was complaining about toys being thrown out, like just being used for a short time and throwing out and that and that there was real issues around this. And at this time the bricks weren't kind of made in this system and Lego then decided to created this system. They created this okay. idea that everything was interchangeable. So even when you were done playing that version of the toy, you could just do something different with it or you could combine it, yeah. you could combine it with the others. And the bricks were hollowed out, but they were hard to stack. If you flip over a Lego brick today, there's that little interior mm-hmm. mechanism that makes it so when you put the bricks together, it really sticks. They then came up with that idea and they patented that idea in 1958. Okay. So between that and the ability to stack it, suddenly you had limitless combinations. You can build anything now. Yeah. You build anything. You could reuse the toy over and over again. You could combine them um, all together. And at this point, they stopped doing wooden toys. It was just yeah. Lego bricks. Uh, you know, nobody throws away Legos. Correct. Right. You lose them in the sofa. The dog might eat one. Yeah. And by you might throw one out the window because you're frustrated because you stepped on it. Yeah. And so they had this huge success with this because by 1961, so you think they, they started doing the tubes in 58, by 1961, they're selling in 11 countries. And then they decided they wanted to open up the U.S. market, but they wanted to manufacture in the U.S. So they went searching for a U.S. manufacturer. And, and this didn't work out so well for them because they weren't focused on toys. They are focused on the ability to make plastic. So they did a deal with Samsonite luggage. Oh, that's Okay, that's a, that's a surprise. Yeah, so Samsonite had a deal in the 60s with Lego, and um, they really struggled in the U.S. At this point, they went from selling in 11 countries to 42. It was doing great everywhere except the United States. Now, they were growing so popular that people from all over the world were coming and visiting the Lego factory. Except from the U.S., Except from the U.S. And this was really disruptive, right? Because, you know, people come and they would, okay, I guess we'll give you a tour and whatnot. It was so popular, they decided to make a park. And in the first year, they had 625,000 visitors. Wow. This is the early 60s still. Yes. It grew to being the second biggest theme park in the world. It's amazing. Yeah. And it was never, oh, let's do this, do this other stuff. It's like, we've got all these people coming. We got to do something. Let's build a park. Uh-huh. And boom, becomes the second biggest park in the world. And the 70s were great. The 70s were a super time for Lego. Lego in the 70s grew to being 1% of all of Denmark's exports was Lego. Did they finally figure out to export them to the U.S. market? They, they basically changed around in the U.S. who they were doing their licensing with um, and how they were positioning it in the U.S. market. Because a couple of things happened when they got into the 70s. So they're doing about $300 million going into the 70s. And by the late 70s, they started introducing the little minifigures. Okay. The right. Little, the, the little people you could put in the Legos. And then by the end of the 70s, they're doing $4 billion in sales. So they have this big explosion in the 70s. And one of the most popular things that they ever did was the, remember the castle set that they had? 
and there was the space set. And those became super popular because up to that point, what they'd been doing was kind of, you know, it was the cityscape things, you know, there'd be you know, a fire station and a hospital, but then right. they went different direction. And they created this castle set in the space set with these little figurines. And that was unbelievably popular. See, I, my own personal experience with the Legos was I was done playing with them by the time they started putting the sets together. So right. like I was excited about little windows that opened. <laughs> yeah. But putting together these sets with these plans, yeah. Super popular, you know, because it gave kids a starting point, right? Yeah. So profits went crazy in the 80s. Then they had a problem. And their problem was their patent expired in the 80s. And mm -hmm. so copycats arose that were cheaper and the market became saturated. And in 1998, so you want to think about this. They started in 32, so 1998. Over 60 years later, they posted the first loss in the history of the company. Oh, wow. First loss, like it went because they lost their patent because of the patent issue. And they entered the 90s knowing they needed to innovate. They needed to do some other things. And they saw that computer games were, were growing. So they came out with a, with a version of Lego that had robotic capabilities. Right. Not only that, they created software for running this stuff. And people started making their own versions of that software. And Lego sued them initially. But then Lego had an aha moment. They went, wait a minute. If people are making software to make this stuff do more stuff, that's good because yeah. that means people are playing with it, right? Yeah. They backed off. They said, nope, you want to do changes to software? Go right ahead. And then 1999, they had one more really big change that happened. Star Wars came along and they did a licensing with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And the irony of the Star Wars deal is it made them super successful and almost killed them. How so? They thought about Star Wars from a toy standpoint. And what they did not do was look at the experience that toy manufacturers have when they do things attached to movies. Now, keep in mind, Star Wars was also a surprise hit. Yeah. It was so popular that they couldn't keep stuff on the shelf. It just flew off the shelf, flew off the shelf, right? But here's what they didn't understand. When you do stuff around movies, if there's no movie, what happens to demand? It starts to fall off. Correct. But when you're looking at your numbers, you go, hey, we sold X billion of this. What does almost every business and every board do? What's their make more. <laughs> We're going to make more. So they manufactured more. And guess what? Demand <laughs> was down. So all of a sudden, they were left with all sorts of inventory. It's a different business model. Yeah. But they liked it. Because they said, wow, we could do these things. So they tried to create heroes. They tried to make a TV show. They did electronic toys. They did all of these things that got away from their roots and was not good. In the early 2000s, Lego was almost broke mm. from doing this. From a few years of Star Wars and trying to do the TV and trying to do this, they were nearly broke. Then they launched a line called Bionicles. And Bionicles is... Uh, full of stories with books and games. And that started to revive sales. And then they got lucky again in 2001, they picked up Harry Potter. Gotcha. Right. And so more little characters. And... Right. But then the same cycle happens again, that in 2003, there was no movie from Star Wars or Harry Potter. <laughs> so, you know, there's this roller coaster that happened and sales fell and Lego again, almost goes bankrupt. So much so that they started to shop the business. Wow. And for the first time, they got a CEO who was outside of the family. So they finally went and they found a CEO from outside the family. The company was hemorrhaging cash, close to failing. They sold the Lego land theme park to bring in cash. Mm. 
and then moved back to the core business. And they simplified the products back to the bricks. They returned back to the city plan idea, their roots. And they recognized that story behind these things is really important. So they need to look at ones that had stories. So then they did Ninjago, you know, which is the little uh, martial arts ones in 2011. And sales was up over 100%. Nice. But one of the things they did notice was, uh, and they still struggle with a little bit, is it's not as popular with girls. So they're trying to create all sorts of things to bring more girls into using Lego. But in 2014 was a real breakout point for them. Another breakout point for them. This is when they became the largest toy company in the world with the Lego movie. Yeah, yeah. Lego movie just blew everything up. I was thinking, right, if you, if you, if you, if there's no Harry Potter movie and no Star Wars movie coming out, make your own movie. Right. But on top of that, you can now control the cycle. You can look at it and say, okay, when's there a Star Wars movie? So Lego has had these ups and downs in things that have made them hugely successful and also things that almost killed them. And the interesting thing here is, and to me, this is kind of the lesson that I got from this whole thing from Lego is the business almost failed when they changed the business model. Mm -hmm. If they had stood back and studied Hasbro or any of the other toy companies that had success doing things with movie deals, they would have under- Stay tuned, we're gonna wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. How's business? Yeah, good. Why isn't it great? We we were growing 20, 30% every year for five years. Then we went flat in the last three. Growth used to be easy. Now, nothing we do seems to have the same effect anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying, and I can't stand to think we've hit the top and are coming back down. So you build a hell of a castle and you're worried. Maybe it's time to build an empire. Huh? What you got here won't get you to where you want to go. You need a fresh perspective. There's these guys that are looking for business owners just like you. Smart, customer focused, but with flat sales. What do they do? Build empires, but they don't work with just anyone. You have to be customer focused. So what exactly do they do? Well, some say they're marketers, but I call them crusaders. Check out their website at empirebuilderprogram.com. Like what you see, set up a meeting. Crusaders, empires, castles. I think someone's been getting so old they're medieval. Empirebuilderprogram.com. Check it out before you become a dinosaur. You mean dragon. No, I mean dinosaur. They were good too, for a while. Sure you want to be just good? Empirebuilderprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. If they had stood back and studied Hasbro or any of the other toy companies that had success doing things with movie deals, they would have understood what they were getting into. But they said, oh, this is Lego. This is different. And it's like, no, this is Lego being sold attached to a movie. This is the same thing. You have to ramp up production in anticipation of the movie. And then the next year, sales go down. And then when the sequel comes up, sales go up. And that is the reality of selling toys to movies. Yeah. And, when, and then you're dependent on the, on the movie being a hit. Yes, you are. But look, lots of toy companies have made massive money with this. Just recognizing that's the cycle and buying into that's the cycle. Yeah. The other thing that Lego did is when they were dicking around with moving a little bit away from the bricks, they had problems. 
When they came back to doing things like Ninjago and Bionicles, the issue was it was still bricks that was just figurines were added into it. And, but it was you, still part of the system. You enable storytelling when you start putting little figurines in. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, while that switch to the movie almost killed them, we also have to admire Lego because they start off as a home builder. Mm-hmm. And they went, okay, this home building thing is not good right now. Let's do wooden toys to let's do plastic toys to let's do Legoland to let's sell Lego attached to stories and let's create our, our own stories. So you got to also admire that you look at these little bricks and you think, well, there's nothing really all that innovative or nothing has really changed with Lego. When in fact, they've been pretty innovative and done a lot of adjustments through the years that has made them the largest toy manufacturer in the world. And it seems like they, they've, they've had a corporate DNA from the founder of hey, when times get tough, we make our own opportunities, right? We look yes. at how do we pivot? How do we, what else are we going to do? Because going out of business is not an option. Yes. And it's still family owned. Business is still family owned. Yeah. And they're also very defensive of the, they call it the system. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lego the system. There's actually a really great uh, Netflix, The Toys That Made Us. Oh, yeah. Uh, by Netflix, there's a, there's a great one on Lego. And it's really quite funny how they talk about the system. But that's part of their DNA. When they've deviated too far away from that, they've had problems. And to me, the thing I want to stress to businesses out there, just because your product is the same, if you change a marketing channel, you can change both the opportunity, but also the characteristics of that channel. And you need to understand the characteristics of that channel. When you're selling toys one way, and then you sell it through a movie franchise, there's a different cycle that those sales go through that you need to understand or can kill your business. It almost destroyed Lego, while at the same time made Lego the most successful toy company in the world. I, I, I picture this Hal Holbrook, Dustin Hoffman moment in the 40s. Remember the, from The Graduate? He takes, he takes the young college grad aside and he says, I got one word for you. Plastics. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like somebody, somebody took the Lego founder aside <laughs> and said, one word, plastics. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to schedule your own 90-minute Empire Building session, you can do it at empirebuildingprogram.com. <laughs>